This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. We're discussing today is is a little excerpt from the Possible Youth Seminar, which is my seminar company, which I've been running now for uh, over 16 years, uh, which I have flyers for, for the men coming up next week. Never stops marketing, does he? Men's seminar next week and women's seminar the week after. Not the week after, a month from now. And uh, please join me for that. And also this week I'm, I have a free evening uh, where I, well it's not free for me, it's free for you. I'm going to be serving cholent from Hadar Gula, Fleshy Cholent. Thursday night, Fleshy Cholent with music at uh, an event uh, this Thursday. All the men are welcome for free. And the women's will have their own event in about a month and a half where I'll also do an intro. I'm probably not going to serve cholent to the women. But, you know, what we should do is get sushi or something. No sushi? Cholent? You like cholent? Vegan cholent. Oh, vegan cholent. There's vegan cholent served at the Beer Bazaar in the Shuk. You know about this? Yeah, everyone should know. They're now doing cholent and beer at Beer Bazaar. Uh, in, uh, you know the Beer Bazaar in the Shuk? So Beer Bazaar doing, is doing cholent and beer every Friday around noon. And they have a fleshy cholent. And they have a parv cholent which may even be vegan. Okay, here we go. What we're focusing on here is the five fears. Now, I, I like to use red for fears because the fears are what really stop us. So the five fears are as follows. The five fears. The five fears are as follows. Fear number one is the fear of Rejection. Fear number two is the fear of failure. Fear number three is the fear of being out of control, meaning someone controlling you. Fear number four is, hey, what's up? Table for two right there. Are you guys together? Yes. All three of you? Oh, you too? Yes. You too. No, you're good. We're doing the five fears, gentlemen. Okay. Fear number one is fear of rejection. Fear two is fear of failure. Fear three is fear of being out of control. Fear number four is the fear of the unknown. And fear number five is the fear number five is the fear of physical pain and suffering. It's physical pain and suffering at the bottom. Sorry it's so low. I probably wrote too big. My apologies. Okay. Now these are the five fears of mankind. Rejections, what others think of you. Failure is how you think of yourself, meaning your own ability to perform, personal performance. Out of control is how you deal with authority, God, rabbis, police, teachers, principals, administrators, boss. Every time. That's your friend. <laughs> you did great. That was perfect. <laughs> I was happy to see who picked him up because it's our old security guard. 
is uh, like family here. Um, out of control is others controlling, which can include a boss. I said the last thing I said before the door opened was a boss um, or a spouse, <laughs> children. Um, next is the fear of the unknown. And that's, you know, none of us know what's going to be. We have no idea what's going to happen for us. We have no idea what's going to happen for our families, our kids, our parents, our siblings. We have, it's all unknown. Is it unknown the same thing as out of control? It makes you feel out of control, but it's very different than out of control. Out of control, I'm going to say it again, it has to do with others controlling you. Whereas fear of the unknown is about the just your future in general. Just the future. Which you have no idea what's going to be. But it will give you a feeling. None of these are a feeling. But if you wanted to call out of control feeling, it would be the unknown. Yeah. What is that control? Out of control? Who can't control us? Who might control you? Everybody. How? Twenty jumping jacks. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> She's from Sweden. You're from Sweden. Yeah. She's from Sweden. She's like, what is that? Jump jacks are. I think soldiers have to do them when they get in trouble. They're being soldiers. That's the scariest thing the army is getting controlled by sergeants and stuff. Yeah, but you're, I mean, if a government, if a government official walked up to you and said, excuse me, is your name Pedro? And you would be like, uh-oh. And you're like, my name's not Pedro, I'm a woman. And you'd be like, your name Pedro now, ain't it? Come with us. So, the, um, Kunta Quinte. Toby. <laughs> So, anyway, and the last is uh, the last is physical pain and suffering, which is you know everyone's fear. That's why we wear helmets. That's why we wear seatbelts. That's why we, you know, we're trying to be careful. We don't want to have physical pain or suffering, and that's one of our fears is to have that. It's probably not a big fear for most of you, but it's a fear. These are the five fears. Any other fear you could think of was going to fit will probably fit under these five categories. So there's plenty of more fears, but they'll fit in the categories. Now again, that's others, yourself, or others. Unknown is your future, and physical pain and suffering is your body. Okay, which and this also gets scary because it's also your kids' bodies. Once you have kids, they're like linked to you. So like, if your kid has a cold, it's like you have a cold. Worse than having a cold. <laughs> right. Yeah, it is worse than having a cold. So this one can hit you even with the kids. Now, let's look again. Look how brilliant the five fears are as, as a subject. Popularity. Popularity. You'll notice that the most popular fears in the world are rejection, followed by failure, followed by out of control, followed by unknown, talks about physical pain and suffering. Now, that's not necessarily your most popular one, but if you actually took 100 people and you polled them on which fear stops them the most, that's why they're in red, because this is where we, this is our edge. They're the five fears, fears are where you stop. That's not where you go. Sometimes you're forced. You've got to do something that you're afraid to do. But you quickly recoil afterwards. The fears are where we stop. That's your border. That's your edge. That's your limit. You're limited by these five fears. Now, they're also in popularity. Rejection is the most popular. Failure is the next popular. Out of control is the next popular. And then very few people these days are dealing with like real crippling fear of unknowns or, or uh, pain and stuff. And then most people aren't being really held down by these. So these three are kind of more in action for most people. They also work regionally. 
Los Angeles, California in general, East Coast, right? If you look at, uh, totally, if you look at, at, you can have some guy, he makes no money, he drives like an old convertible that his grandfather left in his father's driveway right before he died, and, but he's like the coolest looking guy, he's 10, he's got Ray-Bans, and he'll be driving around with his babe, you know, and she's just happy as can be, even though they have no money, and they're just trying to think of what to do with themselves, you know. But that girl wouldn't look at this guy on the East Coast. The East Coast guy, he's driving like a sob, you know. He's the biggest nerd ever. The same, same trophy wife, you know. He's got the trophy wife. He's, he's running a hedge fund. You know, and you know what I'm saying? Like, it's the biggest nerd in the world with a trophy wife, and which would never happen on the West Coast. But boy, will it happen on the East Coast. No, the guy on the West Coast, if he was driving a Saab, he'd be afraid of being rejected by his peers who would think that's a nerdy car. <laughs> it's amazing how we've turned a Saab into a nerdy car. Is, is Saab still used today? Does, are they still a car I company? I don't see them in the States so much. Uh-huh. Yeah, it stayed in Europe where it's nice. Right. Okay, make great airplane. Then you got out of control. Did they really? Then you got out of control, like uh, uh, people from South Africa. No offense, <laughs> from South Africa. But you got like uh, you know you got ninety percent of the population is tribal Africans. The ten percent of white people are these like, you know what are called? Uh, what are those dudes called again? The Afrikaners. Who are like you know, they, they there's no. I don't think they get a blood alcohol level for drunk driving because it never registers. And and then there's and then there's these like little white guys named Jewish. And they're the Jewish guy, you know. And you can understand the out of control feeling that might be had over there. Um, but there's other places with that fear of out of control regionally, for example, um, uh, for some reason Toronto. It's, I don't know why. I, I don't know enough about their history. But but in all the counseling I've done with Torontonians, out of control always rings high. Okay, um, as far as the unknown, I think Israel is pretty high up on the unknown scale. The fear of the unknown, like we never know what's going to happen around here, which is fine with most of us. And and then physical pain and suffering would be like Syria, Afghanistan, any war-torn country. Interestingly, when you look at the Haredi community, not that anyone here is from the Haredi community, but if you look at the Haredi community you'll notice that these five fears are very strong. First of all, you have to, you realize that people dress in a very conforming way. Well, you, there's no option for like a shorter coat. Okay? <laughs> you know, that's not, a, that's not a, a different colored hat. You know? <laughs> these aren't optional, you know. Failure, the, the standards of output that are put upon young people in those communities are extreme. Stream. Now, there is one in ten people, it's no problem, but the other nine are, you know, being pushed very, very hard. And, the, and then you got out of control because everything's known. I mean, you're going to the school that your older brother went to, and his 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 older brother went to, and or your sister went to, and that sister went to, and that sister went to. And eventually they're going to marry you off to the spouse of their choice. So, they, you know, there's arranged marriages. In the Hasidic world, it's all arranged. So, which is a wonderful thing you should know. It's, 
fabulous thing to have an arranged marriage. You see, all of you are looking at me like, you must be kidding, are probably single. The <laughs> having an arranged marriage means that you actually aren't going to have to figure it out on your own, which is amazing. But isn't, isn't the halacha that they have to want to be married? Mm -hmm. You can't just... You can't force it. can't force it. But they're, they're, they don't... They generally aren't... Because it's such a major um, thing to marry off a child in every aspect, including financially, that you're not going to marry off a kid until they're ready. They decided now, there are kids, though, who perpetually don't get ready. And they'll marry them off to get them ready. Meaning, okay, you're not getting ready, so we're going to push you into it. You'll be ready by the time of the chuppah. And I'd say half of those end in absolute disaster. Because <laughs> they're going to show their parents that they were not ready. And, and so half of those wind up in disaster, but the other half don't. The other half come out quite well. So, um, unknowns. I don't think they have a big fear of the unknown because everything's known. And, uh, but physical pain and suffering is interesting because these are all the descendants of Holocaust people. And the Holocaust, can I help you, Bobby? You can't see the red so much? You can't see anything and it won't come out of Can you guys see the red back there? Not so well. It's not so good? Okay, no problem. I don't mind writing these words again. I'm going to do it right here. Okay, yeah, you know what? I'm going to erase it and rewrite it. No, I got it. I got it. And you know what? Yeah, it'll look like a mess. I'm one of those guys who when they do, uh, what's it called when they check your writing for who you are? Uh, what's it called? Yeah, graphology. So every time I've done graphology, they, they after they look at all my writing, they're like, you're totally schizo. <laughs> like you got about 20 personalities. <laughs> You'll see, I'm going to write it again. It's going to look totally different. <laughs> As I, she said I could just write it around it, but that would Who be... Who are you and what did you do with Rabbi Young? <laughs> it would be impossible for me to rewrite it. Um, the same. So, we got rejection. Failure. What is called out of control. We're going to just call it control now. Then we've got the unknown. And then we got physical pain and suffering. That was my chance to write it higher in the board than I got. Okay? So those are the five fears. See that better, Bubby? Yes, yes. Okay, great. Now, she's not my Bubby, but I just call her Bubby. Now, these are, she's the Bubby of the class. Okay? Now, the last thing I was saying was that the Haredi community is the direct Holocaust survivors, and pain and suffering is actually right there. You can sense it when you're visiting Brooklyn. Uh, my first visit to Brooklyn was when I met the what I call the Brooklyn portions. Brooklyn portions are the amount of food they put on your plate when you're visiting. And it's almost like they're preparing for a march in 2017. <laughs> There's tremendous amount of uh, food being served in Brooklyn. And they're just making sure everyone's warm. You know, stay warm, stay fed. That's it. My wife's a bit from that territory, so so uh, sometimes when my, she bundles my kids up on warm winter days, I'll stand like down the block with a big trash bag, and I'll receive, I'll take back some of the articles of clothing that she put my kids in. You know, because I don't want them to like pass out on their way to school, so I just 
restuffed the, the big trash bag full of like big parkas, down coats and stuff. You know, they think how warm it is. Mean, today's not that warm, but last week was like in the 70s. Yeah. Okay, now. I'm going to say something really freaky. Who you are today is on the board. You ever seen people icing a cake with an icing bag? It's called a piping bag. You ever seen people doing that? So my daughters have a tool chest full of shapes they can use. Most people do have lots of shapes. That's your shape. Right there on the board. That's your shape. That's the shape of how you interact with people. Your shape in however far you've gotten in your endeavors, meaning whatever you wanted to contribute to humanity in your lifetime, is that's the shape. Whatever your fear of failure is. Everyone's gonna have a different level of failure. What is the failure issue? You know, some people might be public speaking, another person might be financial, another person might be musically, another person might be um, you know, like physical, like just being able to change a pipe or a faucet. Here's the shape of how you deal with employers. This, your life is shaped by how you dealt with authority. Meaning, there. Raise your hand. Give you a good example. You guys, be honest here. Raise your hand if you didn't have the fear of being out of control. How much better you would have done in school if you weren't constantly trying to show your teachers and your headmasters and your mashgichim or your rosh yeshivas or your or your principals that you're going to do it your way. Raise your hand how much more you would have learned. Okay, I, I try, the only reason I didn't have you raise your hands up here is to get too touchy. Here I can get, you know, and you see half the room raise their hands. They would have known their, your, just your own ability, of your own knowledge base would have been totally different had you not spent all that time trying to prove you're not out of control, which is the biggest joke in the world because they, they weren't trying to control you. They were trying to control everyone, and it required structure. And that structure to you meant things. Why it meant things were going to go, meaning you'll notice that half the people didn't raise their hand because other things mean things. It's all about what things mean to you, which we're going to talk about what causes certain things to mean things to one person and not to another. Now, um, our fears of, of things not working out for us is going to stop us from the key to life, the key to success. What's the key to success? Look on the unknown, see if you can guess. <laughs> you ditched him. What's the key to success? Key to success, no. Key to success. Perseverance. Consistent perseverance. Believing that you can succeed. Confidence. All of you answering great. Taking risks. Ah, yeah. What's your name? David. David. What's your name? Gershon. Gershon. Welcome, guys. So, so David nails it. It's a risk. If you want success in your relationships with people, you're going to have to take some risks. If you want success financially, you've got to take risks. The piece of Talmud we're studying right now is what, is what do you do when you hire workers for your company to get some job done? And they bailed out after the first day. Do you pay them for the work they did, even though you're, they're contracted for a week's work, which is going to cost you a lot more to hire more workers? 
So do you pay them for what they did, or you dock them a little bit because it's going to cost you even more now to get new workers? Depends how you wrote the contract. Excellent. Let's say that you wrote the contract without penalties. And now you've, you're like, duh, how did I do that? Now you go to Baston. What's the Baston going to decide? You can pay them less than the work they did today and dock them for the amount it's going to cost you to hire new workers tomorrow? Probably not. Or can you, or do you have to pay them the work they did? So how do we possibly do that? Okay, so the answer is that you pay them less because you know, you're supposed to be paying them for a whole job. You didn't write in the penalties, but you pay them less. It's Rebbe Doisa. Megamora says that. And, um, but I voted for the other side today when I was learning. Mm-hmm. The rabbi asked us to vote. I voted for the other side. They got to pay them in full. Why? Because if you own the business, you know you want to win big compared to a worker. You got to take risks. There's risk factor. Owners of business make a lot more money than everybody else, but they take risks. And you get paid for your risk taking. Risks is how you. You also s- pay for the risks. Yeah. That's what you're saying. Yeah, I yeah, this should be. A, I thought this would be a time you have to pay for the risk. No pain, no gain, no? Yeah, but in this case, you actually get to dock the workers a little bit for shafting you in the mid job. You can you dock them the whole amount you lost, or just. No. just oh, excellent question. So it answers. Um, yeah. Meaning, uh, the way they set it up was they did four, they had an amount of work of 400 bucks, uh, but to uh, rehire guys, the first day is going to cost 600. You know, you got to give an extra two to get them on board. So you, you actually, you wind up paying them two. You pay them 200 bucks for their $400 day. That's the law. Yeah. Crazy, right? I was sure the owner of the company has to take the hit. Workers take the hit. Now, why does it make absolute sense, Gershon, that the workers take the hit? <laughs> Wrong guy. Is it, is it because when they, when they quit, they were quitting to do another job? No, it ended at the beginning. That they quit. Who should get penalized? The people who quit the contract or the people who stuck to the contract? Yeah, the ones who quit. The ones who quit. So even though you didn't write in the penalty, Torah takes care of that. There's still a penalty. When you bring them to bake them, they get penalized. Okay, but this is a way off the subject. Thank you so much, bud. This is way off the subject. Our subject is, what's the key to success? Yes, key to success. That's the key to success in everything you do. Pleasure in life is going to come with some risk. Relationships going to come with some risk. Business, you want to make a lot of money, you're going to have to take the risks. You're going to have to risk some money to make the money. Clear? That's fear of the unknown. Fear of the unknown. And when you got a strong fear of the unknown, man, you're not going to be getting the success and the pleasure you want out of your life. It's going to stop you. To keep you safe. And then, uh, which, by the way, is very dangerous. <laughs> Staying safe can be very dangerous. You realize if you're going down a rushing river, because you're like, I don't know, you fell off a bridge, and now you're racing down a river. And you're like, do I get off the river? Do I go stay in the river? Like, which way do I go? Should I paddle to the shore? Or, sh- or you know, all I see is wilderness and lions, you know, and bears, and who knows what could be out there. Or do I stay in the river? Maybe there's a waterfall. Maybe there's a 300-foot waterfall. But you have the possibility to, to take the decision. If you are in the, if you don't have that possibility and you need to take the risk for sure, 
Yeah, you gotta go. Okay, see, I, I didn't give a good, that was a lame example. Sorry about the river thing. Scratch it. Now, because this is essentials and not my seminar work, which I would normally take you somewhere totally different, we're gonna not do that. We may do it in a minute. But what we're going to do instead is bring in a subject called Trying to write the word awareness. There should be no e, right? Before the nis. Yeah. When I say God awareness, what I'm really saying is God consciousness. Okay, let's apply it. God awareness, God consciousness. Now, when I say this, I mean full on. We're talking. You're fused to the Creator. You're walking down the Jewish quarter like this, right? Now, if someone walking around like that, is they worried, are they worried about rejection? They're not worried about rejection. And if they got rejected, what would that be to them in their God consciousness? A yeah, a lesson. Next little thing I, I'm, next thing going on in this amazing unfolding of infinite into finite. Because what is this moment? It's just the unfolding of infinite into finite. So there was no rejection. There was just, okay, people react funny to me right now. I better, either I gotta conform a bit and be a little more normal, or I'll just keep playing this weirdo God game. Meaning I'll start, keep walking around the Jewish quarter like this. <laughs> I mean, you can make your choice. But either way, is there a rejection with God consciousness? Is there a rejection? No. How about failure? How about failure? You have full God consciousness, and you're going for, uh, I don't know, you're making a startup. You want to make a bunch of money in a startup. You collected all kinds of investments. And now you got to whatever you want to get to. You want to get to $10 million investments. Now you're hiring people, setting up some real estate for, your, for, the, for the work of the startup. And it fails. It just fails. Like someone else did that startup, it already sold to, to Microsoft, and, and no one's answering your calls anymore. And the investors are like, no, like, couldn't you have let us know you had a competitor? Like, couldn't you have told it? Like, I didn't know. It's not like everyone advertises their startups, you know? Right, right. So, does that happen to a lot of people? Yeah. Doesn't Amazon just see who's really succeeding and then just take over? Walmart is, is afraid of Amazon right now. And Walmart, you see Sam Walton, all over the all over the United States, and they're worried. Amazon is now doing deliveries, they're doing stores now where you don't even have a checkout. You walk in, take something off the shelf, walk out, it tracks you and automatically charges you. Walmart has uh, Amazon has stores now. Yeah. Yes. It's called Amazon. They sell food. They sell everything. They send you everything. Wow. Could it be that they're called Amazon because someday they're going to help save the rainforest? <laughs> Where'd they get that name? It's such a bizarre name for an area of the world that so deeply needs healing, you know? Because A to Z. What? A, Amazon, A to Z. Oh, wow. Look at the logo. It goes under A to Z. That's why. 
It used to be a book company. That's what it started as a book company. Yeah. The last letter of the word Amazon is a Z. Yeah, so like, that's an N. <laughs> <laughs> they have an arrow going to Z yeah. in the Amazon? It's a smiley face, like A to Z. Yeah, that's true. Okay. <laughs> so I'd like to I'd like to do a little focus in on failure for a moment. I have something I want to share with you about failure that's going to change your lives forever. Okay, and you will find great success when you hear the secret. Failure is your greatest teacher. Failure lets you know where not to go next. Okay. So let's say you did a business that did not fail yet. And you're working and working and working, and then you just hit a brick wall. Failure. Well, you know, it worked pretty well till there. Well, so the next time you get started, I think you're going to try that, which may fail. And then maybe you'll, okay, that seems to work. It's right over here. Boom. Fail. Oh, man. So let's uh, see. Uh, boom. I don't know how to draw a pot of gold, but here's your pot of gold. <laughs> That's the pot of gold. Now, how did you get there? <clears throat> you got there as failure by failing. Failing is good stuff. You know what the difference between successful people and, and failures are how much you're willing to fail. See, most people, when they taste failure, they never come back for more. They taste failure, they spit it out. Successful people chew on the fat of failure. Successful people chew on the fat of failure. They just say, I'm not going there again, but I'm still going. Just not there. And now you know. Now you know you're never going back there again. The master has failed more times than the student even tried. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, sure, thank you, Bobby. So... There's, there's a great video, if you want to see about failure, by a basketball player. No, he was considered like the best ever. Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan. Check out Michael, just go, go don't do it right now, but YouTube later, Michael Jordan and failure. He gives the stats of every shot he's missed, every championship game where he, the final shot was his and he missed. And it's just a gigantic list of failures. And, he, and I think the last line is, after all the times he said he failed, 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 he says, and that is why I succeeded. But let's go back to God awareness. When, you, when you're walking around with God awareness, there's no failure. There's only lessons. That's all that's going on. Lessons. Next is out of control. Is there such a thing as a fear of out of control for someone in full God awareness? No. All you're saying is, what's up now? You know, your car breaks down in, like, Samaria. You know, the Shomron. Perfect time to say to him. Yeah, perfect time to say to him. But you, you, the person with God awareness is like, okay, what's up now? What's up now? And you're, you're the, guy, the, the guy sitting next to you doesn't have God awareness. You know, your passenger seat. He's like, what's up now is there are about 30 Arabs holding slingshots that are running down the highway towards your car. And what do you do? You say Shema. You say Shema. Shema Yisrael. That's what's up now. What's up now is it's over. The lynch mob. 
You're dead. Okay. Because with pure God awareness, is death a problem? Is pain and suffering a problem? Pure God awareness? Recently, we just lost a beloved Jew to Jerusalem, a, a quadriplegic, came here on vacation, got, uh, he got diagnosed in, um, in Karim, you know, Hadassah. And uh, they were like, you're not flying anywhere. And that was it. His vacation in Israel became his home. And uh, we just lost him. He was such a beautiful guy. At the beginning, it was very difficult for him. But as he started developing his God awareness and the whole thing, he was usually the happiest person in the room. He was always in the most pain. And he always had the best weed. But he was, but he was the, he, but he was, he was totally the happiest guy there all the time because he, he went with God awareness. He was in God awareness. And in God awareness, while, you know, I remember having my back out at his house once. I was visiting him and my back was out, like, you know, like you're getting off the chair and like, like that. I tried not to let him see me doing that. But I remember feeling like such a loser compared to him, you know, who's lost all his ability to move except for maybe his head. And in extreme pain and weighing in at like, you know, this guy, this guy, when he flew to Israel, weighed probably, you know, like any average guy, 170 maybe. And all, but all the time I knew him here, he was probably in the 60s, you know, most of the time. And uh, especially towards the end, last year or two. And, uh, but he was still the happiest person around. Because of God awareness, pain and suffering wasn't a big issue there. And the unknown, I'm talking about an omniscient being. You're connecting to a being that knows everything. And this is one of the reasons why the majority of the time in this class, in Essentials, I'm always talking about God awareness. Because you can be a Torah scholar and totally miss this. The God awareness. Meaning, what's, God, what's Torah scholar? What are they good at? Test my good students. What, what is a Torah scholar really good at? It's only people who've been in the class. Alignment. Alignment. Excellent. Alignment. But what are we talking about right now? Connection. Connection. And just because someone's really good at, you know, keeping kosher or, or learning a difficult piece of Talmud does not make them connected. God awareness is something you either work on or you don't get it. It's something you create, something you, you do. Uh, and there's an excellent passage in the Talmud. My phone's being used for Facebook Live, so I can't show it to you. But it's just, it's all about connection. Uh, someone can pull up, uh, yeah, pull up for me, uh, um, Sanhedrin uh, Kuf Ahmed Base, 100B. You, not me. And? What? Oh, forget about it. No, no, don't even bother. I thought you had a left to have it there. Yeah, you got to download that. That's a great app. Okay, listen. You guys got what God awareness does. God? Yeah. I just want to understand what do you mean by saying God awareness? Yeah, so we had spoken a bit about it right before you walked in. I think, oh no, you were here when I was. And what it means is God consciousness, it means that, that you're walking with God. You're just, your experience is an experience of godliness, wherever you're going, whatever's happening. 
Okay, is that clear? How do you relate yeah. it to, to the fear? That is that, it, fear I was just saying that it knocks out these fears. Okay, so you have someone who, who saved you. Save you. From dealing with these fears. Yeah. Okay, back to the fears. These fears have shaped your life. These fears are where you predictably stop. This is where I can predict you'll stop. Those who raise their hand, I can predict you would miss your education. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be way down here. Thank you so much. <laughs> it's a bit of a needle in a haystack, this one, so. Let's see if I can find it. I'm just like shooting down the page. <laughs> it's a long page. Thanks for pulling it up, by the way. At least it's in paragraphs. Oh man, I'm pages ahead already. We're not looking for it right now. I have it highlighted. When we're finished, I'll show you guys something. Where did this come from? How come we hit these red lines? Why do we constantly get stopped by these five fears? And you know what it's called when you hit the five, when you stop at these five fears, you know what they call it? They call it the glass, the glass ceiling. You know why it's called glass ceiling? Because you're hitting it, it's the ceiling. You keep hitting it, but what do you see through it? Some other dude doesn't seem to have any problems at all. He just keeps walking through. There's no issues there. He has no, this is not an issue for him. He's got other issues. Everyone's got issues. Everyone's got some fear stopping them. But this particular fear doesn't stop that guy. You get that? So we're hitting this glass ceiling all the time while other people just seem to be free. They, they just seem to not have that issue. You can have siblings that, you know, have paved the way for a, you know, a path that should have been more or less easy for you, but you're totally stuck. Under the, you know, on that same path because they didn't have your experience. So what we're answering now is where did you get your five fears? And the answer is childhood. The five fears come from ages three to about 12. You can still get more later, but the majority of the five fears come from age three till about 12. Before three, things roll off you pretty quick because your mind's just not developed enough to turn it into a fear. So, for example, a kid who, um, yeah, a two-year-old who, like, chased a ball into the street, and you grabbed him and told him not to, maybe you spanked him. What can you probably expect a day later when their ball rolls into the street? Hmm? He's going out there again. He, he doesn't remember the whole experience so much, you know, and the spanking and the car going, you know, it's, they're just not developed enough. Once you turn around three, you have your first experience of self, and you become what's called self-aware. Self-aware people, when you're three, are in extremely vulnerable positions. Extremely vulnerable. All it takes is a highly successful sibling. All it takes is a particularly punitive father. All it takes is a very strict system your parents put you in when you're five. All it takes is anything 
All it takes is not getting picked for a team. All it takes is not getting picked for a play. All it takes is getting teased, bullied, you name it. And no one's out there watching you. I mean, it's not like your parents can stop this from happening. As much as you want to protect your children, you will not be able to protect them from all these experiences. Now, let's bring in vibrations. The world works vibrationally. So once you believe this about yourself, I know you're just a four or six year old or eight year old, but once you believe this about yourself, it vibrationally attracts the same situations into your life, which just become one big stamp. You know, it's like stamped that that's who you are. And no one could convince you otherwise because you could give them 20 examples over the last week of how it just kept happening. I was standing in line about a year ago in a kiosk in, uh, in Jerusalem and it was, it was a little lady's turn in front of me and the guy behind the counter says to me, he says, what, do you, what can I get you? And I was like, why don't you take care of this little lady here? And she's, she was already over here. She was already like, You know, which was helpful because I got out of there quicker. Just kidding. I, I said, I refuse. Take care of the lady. Take care of the lady. And she was like, it took convincing to get her up there. She's invisible. She got invisibilized probably as a child. And that kept repeating itself where she just, no one even noticed. You know, they were like, the, the school bus kept leaving her in school and stuff. You know, because they were just like, okay, everyone's in. Because she got invisibilized as a child. Once you're invisible, or once any of these five fears is being touched upon as an adult, what you discover is that that same vibrational energy that locked in when you were young is repeating itself. And you're stuck there again, stuck there again, stuck there again. Now there's two ways out. One way out is already on the board is to become someone who's a real spiritual warrior who's going for God consciousness that's one way out believe it or not it's the long way <laughs> it takes a lot of work long short way it's a long short way yeah. it's the long short way and um, and the work I've been doing for the last 16 years is the short long way it takes 6 days but it's super intense heavy work but that's, that's the work I do, is I found out a way to actually cause your whole vibrational story to drop. Meaning you got whatever your vibrational story is, you can actually short circuit a human being's vibrational story. And I discovered it 16 years ago, how to do it. And I've been doing it now for all these years. I have over 5,000 people who have finished my work and has, have had the amazing opportunity to actually short-circuit their vibrational energy. And once it's short-circuited, well, you're left in an amazing place of choice. Like, now you can actually choose, like, what So, so you're just going about God consciousness from a different route? No, no, I, I mean, I bring up God towards the very, very end of the work. But in Asia, I teach God consciousness. In my seminar programs, I, I almost never bring it up. I mean, it's pretty clear from my look where I'm coming from. <laughs> kind of hard to hide, you know. So, but I mean, is okay, well, I'm not really that observant. <laughs> you know, but but that, that's the practicality of where you're getting, isn't it? I mean, ultimately, you're getting to God consciousness. You just, you just found a, a shortcut, so to speak. Well, I'll tell you something interesting. That when your story drops, and this should be arbitrary, but I'm sure if you and I pow out about it, we'd get there. And I'll get there a bit now. 
is that for some reason when your vibrational story about your life, which is some random story that you didn't get picked once and then you started not getting picked a lot, you know, it all started with one random stupid thing. But when you drop your story, all of a sudden your left brain, listen carefully, this is only going to be for those who get it, all of a sudden your left brain, which is your analytical brain, stops calculating. Because think about it, your whole adult life is just calculating to make sure nothing trips you up. Everywhere you go, you're just kind of like vigilant that nothing should cause rejection, failure, out of control. Everything's calculated. You're, you're literally digitizing every scene for your fears to make sure you don't get caught with your pants down. Well, something happens when your story drops. Your left brain, the analytical brain, goes when the left brain's silent, the right brain, which is called Chochmah, which is Koachmah, which is consciousness, it starts to fly. And you suddenly get access to your consciousness, which is eternal. It's and universal. Everyone has it. We all have consciousness, and it's not locked into time at all. It's your left brain that thinks in terms of time. Your right brain has no time. It's your conscious self. There's no time to consciousness. And we're being, anyway, we're being projected into the world via this ultimate consciousness, because God's not a thing. He's not made of space and time. It's a consciousness. And God is consciousness. Beyond space and time. God is beyond space and time, but it's got intention. So it's, so it's got a consciousness that creates the world. So when the left brain goes quiet, now again, this is, to me, this is just a freebie of the seminar. Because the real seminar works just to get you out of your story. I don't care how much you grow spiritually. I hope you grow spiritually from it. That's my work in age. Is that once your brain quiets, the God consciousness comes really freely. And you can grab it and start living it. And really living off that. With your story at a, at a low roar. It gets triggered. Your dad can trigger it. Your mom can trigger it. A Thanksgiving dinner can trigger it. But it gets triggered. And you look at it, you're like, that's stupid. Like, I'm not going there. Ain't nobody got time for that. You flick it off. You're back to your life. The longest I get triggered is probably an hour or two. I got triggered yesterday. I think I was down for about an hour until I woke up from it. We all get triggered. But, but your baseline is God consciousness, not the triggers. Whereas most people you meet, until they got God conscious or they've, or they've neutralized their story, their baseline is, the tr- is being triggered. Always constant vigil, vigilant calculation to not have these five fears triggered. Thank you very much. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.